spoilers ahead. Spoilers ahead. You have been warned. Welcome to Max Mike Movies. We are Max and we are Mike and we talk about movies. This week we're starting on a new series in theaters now. Each week we'll go out and see a movie newly released into the wild. We'll see it opening weekend and then we'll cast about it like the kids say. We're heading into Oscar season so it'll be a bit of a snipe hunt. I know I like a nice slice of snipe every once in a while, don't you? But that's not why we're here. We're here for the movies. If you're listening to us right now, and you are, aren't you? You probably found our podcast through the iTunes podcast app or the Google podcast app. But did you know we also have a website? It's <gasps> Mac. It's true. It's MaxMikeMovies.com. And there you can find all our previous episodes, leave comments, and buy our Halloween costume. What? What's that? Um, oh, they're all sold out. Oh, that's so sad. Well, you can also follow our twittings on that Twitter thing. We are Plort Max Mike Movies. The Plort, plort of course, is how you uh, actually say the at symbol. Mm -hmm. Would you like to email us? You can email us, email us at, well, us at MaxMikeMovies.com. Just know that any comments could be part of a future show. And they're ours. All ours. Forever. We'll make millions. <laughs> the laugh over there is portrayed by Max Levine or an incredible simulation thereof. Ooh, I paid my 25 cents and I'm Mike Luce simulated over here by a small slice of cheese. Today, we are going to be discussing the very newly released as in yesterday, um, ostensible queen slash Freddie Mercury biopic, Bohemian Rhapsody. Yes, and with indeed. that, Mike, yes, I, I have to ask you, yes, is this the real life? Is this just fantasy? Um, I don't know. I'm just a poor boy. But are we caught in a landslide with no escape from reality? You know, I was once, but then I took vitamin to vegemin, and now... <laughs> ah, Ricky! Ah. Right. So, the plot of the film is thus. The show. We follow somewhat... The life of the band Queen from the moment that young Freddie Mercury, then not Freddie Mercury, uh, shows up to the band Smile and basically steps in to replace their newly leavened, is that a word? <laughs> no. You Lost? think you've leavened and that's bread that doesn't have yeast in it. Mmm, extra yeast. Or that does have yeast in it, excuse me. <laughs> leavened. leavened bread is the one with the yeast. Matzah is the one that tastes bad. I like matzah. Mm, nice only... garlic matzah. It's delicious. Yeah, ma matzah is a vehicle food. You know, it's like <laughs> it's like waffles or pancakes. It's good for the things you can put on it. Well, that's fair, too. Mm. Uh, so anyway, this film is about the, the plot of the band Queen, uh, starting from when young Freddie Mercury, who is then Sasha Baron Cohen, oops, no, we'll get to that, <laughs> uh, and changes his name to Freddie Mercury uh, and joins a band Smile, which then changes its name to the band Queen up through, for some reason, their performance at Live Aid in 1985. So you say uh, Freddie Mercury, was that his name originally? Uh, no, it was not. Really? What was no. his name? Well, that would be in trivia, and we're going ah. to get to that right now. Okay. Uh, except I think I actually left that part out. <laughs> of all the things I looked up and left out, that was the one. Now, I know his, his first name was Farouk. Yeah. I don't remember his last name. It began with a B. Um, but uh, other trivia. The lead, Rami Malek, mm -hmm. is probably best known for his appearances on BoJack Horseman in the second film in the Twilight Saga. No, he isn't. <laughs> 
<laughs> he kind he's, of is. He's best known probably for Mr. Robot. Yeah, and which you, is a show you, I haven't seen, so I didn't know. Well, actually, I haven't mm. seen BoJack Horseman either. Um, I have unfortunately seen Twilight Saga, but I blame you for that. That is, I take full responsibility, and he is in the last movie, and he has four lines. I would say that there's really only a couple of people in here that how that are that really have long drawn out careers. Although everybody in the film, when I looked them up, had quite a list of stuff that they had done and were going to be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, we have Littlefinger as John Reed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, that's the only thing I know is from him oh, from dear. is from uh, Game of Thrones. Wait, wait, tell them who's John Reed. John Reed was the. Well, I'm trying to think of his actual position. He wasn't the manager. He no, was he was between, the lawyer. The lawyer, okay. Mm-hmm. He was between their manager and the executive yeah. of EMI as played Wait. by Mike Myers. Wait, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Uh, Miami was the uh, lawyer. Uh, John Reed was the... He was oh. basically the go-between. He was the, the representative of the record companies. Miami actually did end up managing them because they yeah. fired Littlefinger. Mm-hmm. So, which you do because, you know, he's up to machinations. Yeah. Uh, the budget of the film is $52 million. We'll see. Wow. Okay, that's, yeah, that's all I yeah, can say. Yeah, we don't know how much see. it'll make. Um, Brian Singer, the director of this Ugh. film, was fired for differences between himself and the star Malik, and, as well as other people. Uh, he had was fired with about two weeks or so of filming left to do. <laughs> the The Directors Guild, however, decided that since pretty much all of the film had been done by him, that he would get a sole credit. Interestingly, and sort of mirroring of something that's going on in the film, the reason that he was mostly let go was because he kept showing up late and or not at all not unlike freddie mercury gets uh, accused of doing in the film um yeah so but yeah uh sasha baron cohen was originally picked to play freddie mercury interesting but the band of interesting choice uh, well he he has got a very chameleon-like aspect to him Um, but the band brian may in particular didn't think he was up to doing something that wasn't comedy and mm. they didn't want this to become some sort of farce. Um, mm. Mike Myers, as can be guessed, is a big fan of the band, which is probably why he got the part. He was actually called up and offered the part. And they said, hey, would you like to be in this film about Queen? And he said, well, that sounds great. And they said, do you want us to send you a script? And he said, no, that's fine. I'll do it. <laughs> and his part is actually made up. His character's name was Ray Foster, but there was no real Ray Foster. His character was an amalgam of a bunch of other people. One of whom was Roy Featherstone, who uh, was actually the guy who objected to them putting uh, Bohemian Rhapsody on the the radio because he said it was too long. But but there was never a, well, we quit moment. It was like, we don't want to do it. Come on, we want to do it. No, yes, no, okay. There's going to be some trivia i leave out for our discussion for very specific reasons and it has to do with with factual stuff (laughs) we'll get to that we'll get to that um yeah you know so mike mike myers got that part uh mike myers i have to admit he pretty much disappears into his makeup because i'm sitting there looking at the character going who is that and i saw mike myers name pop up in the credits and i was like i didn't know he was in this uh, and then I'm looking for him, looking for him, I'm looking at this guy who literally looks nothing like Mike Myers, especially down to the hair color because his hair is orange. Mm. Um, and it's finally, I'm like, oh, that's him. He's under there. Okay. But um, yeah. Um, apparently the actors all could play their instruments, but except for one song, which was another one bites the dust, they're all overdubbed. Mm. But I thought it was cool that they actually could. 
the singing for the film was done by three different people, one of whom was a little bit was done by uh, Rami Malek. A lot of it was done by a Canadian singer named Mark Martel, who I believe won a contest for sort of a, a yeah. Queen or, or, or um, Freddie Mercury sound alike. But a lot of the, the vocals were actually Freddie himself. Well, um, I'm sorry, I, I got to interrupt you on that. I was reading about this uh, a couple of articles. It was actually a single voice, but it was a digital blend of those three right. guys. Right, and that's the thing is that it was very seamless. And I have to mm. say, I didn't expect for an. I thought this guy could actually do it. Like I didn't look anything up until I after I saw the film, and I pu was perfectly willing to believe that Rami Malek was singing. Mm. It, mm. it worked really. Usually, when you see people doing this, it's like, yeah, okay, Robert Redford is not Sean Cassidy, so I don't believe it's really him. I, no, no, no. Robert Redford never did a Sean Cassidy biopic. Oh, he should have. <laughs> They look so much alike. They do. Um, yep, so all the rest of the trivia I have is all factual, yeah. mostly having to do with time. So I'm going to leave the rest of my, my trivia out because I want it to be part of the discussion. Okay. Um, and what Max or I are going to do is we're going to discuss the film as normal, and then in the, the roundup, we're going to discuss whether we actually liked the film and, and recommend it. That doesn't mean that we won't be saying things back and forth during the discussion. It'll however. probably be pretty clear from the beginning. Can I just bring in a little stuff about the cast? No. Particularly oh, I'm sorry, we haven't got time. Oh, bugger. <laughs> How big a swing, I'm not going to tell you. Now go ahead. Uh, just the way they did the band, this is partly the beginning of the description, the casting was amazing. Because if you look at pictures of Queen and you look at pictures of these guys, it's really close. They really have the look. I would say the one that they got the absolute closest was Brian May. The You're just saying that Brian... because of the damn hair. No, because his face, he had the narrow nose. Yeah. The guy who played the drummer, yeah. I have to say, a lot better looking than the guy who was actually the drummer, uh, um, Roger. Huh. And not that Red the guy was bad looking, but I was like, is that Orlando Bloom's younger brother? Who is that? Uh, you and know, I, Roger Taylor, played by Ben Hardy, who we have seen before as Angel in X-Men Apocalypse. Well, no. We have not seen him in Angel <laughs> X-Men Apocalypse. I was using... You have seen him in X-Men Apocalypse. I, was using, I avoided it. I was using the royal we. Yeah, but yes, as you yes, say, these guys are not exactly major names. I mean, the guy who plays Brian May, Gwilin Lee, the only thing I, I might have seen him in, and I don't think I ever saw the late enough episodes, he plays D.S. Charles Nelson in Midsummer Murders. Well, But that's okay. from 2013 I mean, I, to 2016. Uh, yeah, but the thing is, is about uh, Midsummer Murders is that if you've ever watched that show, yeah, every, every British actor everybody, ever is in that. Everybody. And some of them show up twice. And uh, there's a little callback. The guy who played uh, Deke, John Deacon, who was Joseph Mazzello, he was in The Social Network, which was... Oh, he was? Yeah, yeah. He was, of course, the very memorable Dustin Moskowitz. Oh, right, Dustin Moskowitz. No Major, wonder he looks so familiar. yeah. Yeah, no, Dustin. I don't. <laughs> no, most people don't. He's. You, you remember how uh, uh, Duardo and Zuckerberg are often in their room at Harvard and there are a couple of other guys there? Oh. Dustin Moskovic is one of those guys. He was another, ah. technically he's another founder of Facebook. They just didn't focus on him at all. But, Ginger and or Marianne. Yeah, I'm sorry, yeah, Marianne and or the professor. Yeah, he was pretty much and the rest, yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, besides in, in the movie, yes. Any any other things that that are not, um, shall we say, chronologically linked? <laughs> would like to bring into the the trivia part of our show. Uh, no, no, nothing trivia. Nothing trivia. There's some stuff I wanted to talk about about the voice, but yeah. 
Uh, well, then, I would say let's uh, dump trivia and mm -hmm. head right into the, uh, the lowdown. The lowdown. So, mm. um, it was difficult doing this. Is, this is a, a stretch for us because I couldn't take notes. Usually when yeah. I watch a film for this, this show, I like to have it on my computer. I have headphones on so I can concentrate on it. It's usually a film that I've seen at least once, not always. The first series we did, which I can't believe you haven't seen that. Mm -hmm. um, I usually just saw the film once. But uh, if it was a film that I had picked or later on the other series we've done, it's usually a film I've already seen. Uh, and I would take notes during it. This case, it was like, well, it's dark. And, you know, people get pissed if I opened my phone and talked into it or something. And, <laughs> yeah. So huh. I had to come oh, home. I just, brought, I just brought my laptop and the external monitor and set them up in the seat <laughs> next to me. And yeah, I had a people dictaphone. complained, but I, I had a secret weapon. I ignored them. <laughs> <laughs> it always works so well when they oh. pelt you with rocks and garbage. Garbage. <laughs> um, yeah, so this was a little difficult. So I had to come yeah. home and uh, write my notes. And mm -hmm. then I went in and looked stuff up because I didn't want it to, you know, color my viewing of the film um, by reading, you know, innuendo or ooh, I see how I worked <laughs> that in. That was uh, Queen's uh, last uh, album uh. Um, or, or stuff like that ahead of time. Um, my initial impression, though, was and I'm not saying this is a good or bad thing. The film felt very hollywood yeah very convenient and very familiar familiar how yes this is now again uh, we're not talking about whether we liked it or not yet but one of the things that bothers me about this is it feels like every other brock bio i've ever seen <laughs> okay you know, i'm sorry i love i loved dennis leary's sum up of the of jim morrison and the doors he goes by that we really needed a two and a half hour movie for this here, I'll, th I'll summarize it for you. I'm drunk, I'm nobody, I'm drunk, I'm famous, I'm drunk, I'm dead. <laughs> now, that was, now, again, not entirely fair, but we've seen this like, oh, look, here he is, the working class boy, the, you know, strict family, they don't approve what he's doing, he becomes a huge star, some, they end up with a Yoko Ono. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't exactly in my notes, but it kind of was. Yeah, you know, It's yeah. like, we'll call him Jojo Ono, just, you know. <laughs> Um, but, which is uh, so and, unfair because you know poor Yoko. And yeah, I know, I know. It's, it's more it's, complex than that, and I blah know, blah blah. I know. But this guy, I mean, it's just become one. Of, it's like I know it's a real person, but it's also just become like a title. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And this it's, guy's it's unfair. Was, I, we're, we're very sorry, Ms. Ono. I'm sure you're a nice person. Just um, don't sing. Just please don't. Please don't sing. <laughs> stop it! Stop it! Stop it! <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, yeah. yeah. Uh, so very it, Hollywood, very convenient. It's very Hollywood, yeah. It's very convenient, and also it's very safe in a lot of ways. Yes, yeah. yes. Um, I mean, there's literally one scene where he has moved into uh, an apartment. I think they had moved in with his then, I don't think they'd been married. I think he was about to They were never married, him. yeah. Um, I think they actually were. I don't think I, so. They were engaged, I, but I don't think they actually uh, got married. When I looked it up, I thought they referred to his as his mm. wife. Mm. I could be wrong. Could be wrong. Mm. Uh, but anyway, they're they're together and he they're in bed and it's like, what do you think? Well, it's a very inconvenient bed, and that's because the piano is literally right above the <laughs> pillows. And he reaches up and he starts playing something. It's literally like, da 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 da. Hey, that sounds good. I should do something with that. And then yeah. suddenly, Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah. Um, which sadly, that's the name of the damn film, and the song shows up about a half an hour into the movie, and it's like I know chronologically it was an earlier song, but it's like, 
well, that's out of the way now. Um, cool. <laughs> or, I was a little disappointed uh, with that because that was that song is groundbreaking. It, yeah, it was. No one had ever done anything like it. Not especially not in popular music, and it gets about I don't know ten minutes. But it's also there's these scenes of them in the recording studio. It's like, we're going to be experimental. I know. Put a drum on a rope and swing it back and forth and we'll get chickens. And you know, it's just like it's they made it seem like it wasn't work. It just sort of happened. Yeah, like, I would have loved to famous. see a lot more about what didn't work. What did they try and said, oh, God, this is awful. We can't use that. It was, yeah. And like yeah. The, at one point later in, well, not, actually not even that later, but uh, when Freddie has become, you know, more of the, the, the self-centered, um, self-absorbed monster, I guess, uh, they're all, the band's all upset and they're like, oh, he's never showing up. He's late, he's late, he's late. And so they're like, we're going to start without him. And Brian May has an idea for a song. And he literally just like, I want something the audience can can be part of. And he just does the stomp clap thing. And suddenly we will rock you. Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm willing to bet there was more to it than, hey, you know, if I do two downbeats and then a clap, <laughs> I bet that would be a hit. It's one of the uh, problems with a lot of rockumentaries or, rock, or you know, rock movies is, and I, I think it's a disservice, it makes the creative process look pretty easy. It's all like, oh no, the song just happened. Yeah. And like, no, it didn't. I will bet you anything Brian May was hammering at that thing for weeks. Yeah. And of course, you know, this is supposed to be about Queen, I guess, mm-hmm. yeah. except that it's not. Um, we learn almost nothing about the other members of the band. I would say that Brian May is the most prominent, uh, mm. second uh, Roger because he's the most argumentative, and then John is over in the corner playing, I guess, bass. Well, um, there's kind of a reason for that. Brian May and Roger Taylor were the only members of the band who consulted on the movie. John Deacon wanted nothing to do with it, so <laughs> it's like, hello. It's kind of like he becomes uh, the Larry of the group. Hello. Larry. My name's Larry. Yeah, Larry, like Larry of the Three Stooges. He doesn't really. Oh, have, he has no. I thought, he was more like, I thought he was more of a Curly Joe. <laughs> <laughs> now Curly Joe, they they at least had sort of defined characters, even if they were awful. Yeah. But, uh, no, Larry's like hello. I, I always liked them. They did that on an episode of Pinky and the Brain. They did Pinky and the Brain and Larry, and they <laughs> just they did their usual stuff. But there was a third mouse who was very clearly supposed to be Larry Fine. Because uh-huh. he was a white lab uh, lab mouse with like bushy afro on the on either side. Hello, and his lines were just "Hello, I'm the one called Larry." That's pretty <laughs> okay. much all he says, and it's a really nasty shot at the character, but it's also kind of on target. Mister Skipadoo, <laughs> Mister Skipadoo. <laughs> Yeah, so so John yeah. could be the Mister Skipper do. Yeah, the, he's the... he's the way uh-huh. they make him in this. I and I know he had more to do with it because he wrote a bunch of the songs. Yeah, although he was not the the man behind uh, "I Love My Car." <laughs> no, uh, that, that was which wrong. I actually have to listen to it. I don't know that song at all. I don't either. Um, but but the, and and I'm going to go out on, uh, on a limb here, and it's not even that much of a limb. You say that this is true of rockumentaries. I'm going to go with pretty much any Hollywood biopic does yeah, this. Yeah. It's like, how will I come up with this masterpiece? Oop, I tripped and the paint just splattered and made Mona Lisa. Amazing! Yeah. And it's like, they just don't... There's very few that I would say really go into making you feel that the people involved are doing the thing they're saying that they're doing. The one of the, the one main example I can think of is Pollock. And it's a, mm. it's a really amazing film. Ed Harris makes me believe he can paint. Um... 
that being said here it's literally like songs just happen you know you're waiting for bibbity bobbity boo or something and <laughs> that famous just... queen classic yeah <laughs> yeah and it's just uh you know i i, 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 I gotta say it. i was really disappointed we get almost all of their major hits except one well we missed an entire album no true but this Which... one this was a major musical event and i cannot believe that we did Max? not learn who will save every one of us. <laughs> I was going to say, Max, would you sing a few bars for us? That's really all I have to do. Flash! <laughs> You're welcome, ladies and gentlemen. I know you were hoping that would happen. I, um, I yeah, don't understand. They did, they did the other TV, the other movie theme they did, Who Wants to Live Forever? Yeah, from Highlander. Yeah. Um, what amazed me was that they worked Radio Gaga in there, which... It's a catchy song, but once you get to that refrain, I remember when the song came out, and I'm like, ugh, Gaga, really? I mean, you might as well just sing, I don't know, da do 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 da 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 No one wants to hear that. <laughs> I don't know. I always, I like the song, and I love the crowd participation. And the reason they did it, it's pretty clear. It's because the last 20 minutes of the film is, yes. is a recreation more of their 20-minute, more or less, of their 20-minute set at Wembley Stadium during the Live Aid concert. And that... I don't know why they did that. I also, my problem was we are the champions. I'm sorry. I, I just, I don't know if it's that it's been done too often, but it's so annoying, that song. Well, it it was part of the set. Yes, so now, they all were. They, they were very, well, what? Well, song they left out. Oh, well, um, they yeah, they left out, was it Crazy Little Thing Called Love? Oh. Because it... I actually came home and did some research last night. And one of the things I was like, I wonder how close it was. And I looked it up. There's actually some amazingly good footage with amazingly good sound. Unfortunately, they huh. reproduce a bit of feedback way too well oh, of the entire set. You can go onto YouTube, look it up, just say Queen Live Aid. And it's there. And it's actually not bad. It's like I was afraid it was going to be really, you know, like 240 VHS footage. And it's uh -huh. not. It's, it's, it's not, you know, it wasn't shot in 70 millimeter film or anything, but it's actually pretty good. And it's. They did a very good job of recreating it. I just don't know why. That was one of my notes, too. It's like, we're just going to spend the last 20 minutes of this film doing this concert. Yeah, that, that kind of was odd to me, except that people consider that... Well, first off, that was the largest crowd they ever played for. That's the largest crowd anybody that ever played true. for. I don't know if they actually were... A, they say there were 100,000 people. Wembley actually, for, a, for... I looked this up, too... Uh, holds about 82,000 at that yeah, point. Yeah, but that's with actual seats. <laughs> yes, that's true. That does not count the people who were standing and all the other, because they may very well have crammed 100,000 in. Man, I, I, and I, you should do yourself a favor. Go ahead and watch that footage. Uh, I don't like to, uh, I don't mention this often, and I don't mind telling people this, and not a lot of people know this, but Max and I were in Britain yes, during we Live Aid. Now, that being said, we noticed it on a TV as we walked by it. Yeah, it's so <laughs> embarrassing. It's one of those things where, oh my God, you were there? What was it like? I didn't know it was happening. The only reason I knew was, <laughs> hey, look at that. There's a big concert on TV. I wonder where that is. Yeah, I think we were in York. And uh, it was mm. in the, the TV room of the youth hostel. Oh, we I, thought staying it, at. I thought it was Glasgow because that was one of the only places that had a TV. Um, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure either. I want to say, because I know it was early on because the Live Aid was in July and we got to Britain in early June. So 
you could be right. I know we worked our way back down, but we were in the UK. Yeah. And we literally walked by a TV where it was going on. It's like, what's that? Oh, it's that concert they're doing. Oh, yeah. And we kept going. Not that uh, we could have gone anyway. And quite honestly, having watched the footage, I would not have wanted to have been within 10 miles of that place. It was so um, loud. And I mean, you know, we would have been in the back and maybe we would have seen these little dots moving back and forth on the stage. Yeah. But my God, the people who performed there. Holy yep. God, that was yep. like, it was the entire rock and roll pantheon. God, yep. the Who was there, and, yep. and and you too, and and the police, and... Well, the Who, wasn't the Who at uh, Woodstock? I think they were. Yes, they were, yeah. Well, yeah, some of them. So no, no, them it was, was, it was the Who, yeah. So I think it was, for them, it was just like, oh yeah, we've done this before. Except, <laughs> yeah. you know, British. Yeah. Uh, well, this... It was, it was quite amazing. And I will have to say this, they were not overestimating or overplaying the crowd's involvement with Queen. When I rewatched that footage, I thought, well, you know, they weren't that excited about, oh, yes, they were. Oh, they were nuts. They They went nuts for Queen because Queen hadn't performed together. They'd done a couple of, that was the other thing. I I know you have probably a whole list of the factual, um, (laughs) shall we say, issues they had. Only a lot. (laughs) Yeah. One of, one of them was that whole thing, you know, oh, we haven't played together for years. Lies, all lies. Except they they had released, in fact, three albums. They hadn't been apart yeah. from, at any point for more than a year. Yeah, that that's, so that's that, what that I was found a bit too. of an ex- and you got to remember this is they're not playing this as a as a uh, documentary or a rockumentary. This is a fictionalized version, and that's the big thing. And it is a problem, and we'll get to that. And mm-hmm. you know whether we decide what that means, you should see the film or not. But it is a problem because there's a lot of people that are going to go into this believing it and it's so nice how things just happen to to fit together and work together and it's isn't it lucky that these things timed out and as it turns out those things didn't time out at all yeah. and in fact the band had played together live two months before live uh, yeah. so it wasn't even a case of oh we've got to practice and oh will this work it was like no this is not a problem the thing that bothered me yeah. was the dramatic moment the whole thing uh, that they bring in. This was, you know, Live Aid was 1985. Yeah, yeah, that was the next one on my you, list. You know what I'm, you know where yep. I'm going with this. There's a very dramatic and I think very nicely done scene where they're rehearsing, they're getting ready to do Live Aid, and Freddie comes in and tells them he has AIDS, which he won't have for another two years. Well, he might have had, <laughs> but he was not diagnosed until '87. And they do this yeah. to give this whole. This is my, you know. Uh, uh, impetus to go on and, and give a really amazing show and it's like Th- no, this is he Queen's di- this is Queen Swan song yeah. oh except for the other four albums they recorded together yes yeah yeah they they didn't uh, that did that wasn't the last time they did anything no and, no which I'm sorry that to me just if they had played that up that was just another example of what an amazing performer Freddie Mercury was he didn't have that uh, uh, you know uh, sp- I don't know, impetus, I don't want to keep reusing the word, but he didn't have that motivation. It's just he wanted to put on a great show, and he did. Yes, and he was quite the peacock. I mean, he ride, his moves reminded me a lot of Jagger. Not saying that he copied him, but that, 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 that swagger, that, yeah, that just, strut, that was very like, I don't know, maybe it's a British thing. I can't do it myself. But Yeah, um, yeah and the hey, other problem at le- is... At least Freddie could play an instrument. I Well, here's the thing. In he plays more than one instrument. If you go back and watch that live age foot live aid footage, mm-hmm. uh, he plays guitar. 
What? Which is something you never see him do no. in the entire film. And I didn't know he could play guitar at all. And to be fair, I don't think he plays it much. But one of the songs at Live Aid, mm. he grabs a guitar and he's playing. I... He's actually playing right next to Brian May at one point. Thankfully, he doesn't solo because that's what Brian May is good at. But, yeah. Uh, I... Yeah. Oh, surprise. <laughs> yeah, that was the thing. He was a de- He was an, a decent piano player and a decent guitar player. Uh, Brian May, and I'm sorry they didn't emphasize this more because this really is the movie about Freddie Mercury. It's not as much yeah. about any of the others. But Brian May is a, a guitar god. Yes, he's he is. Amazing. Astounding. He's like, he's like up there with Clapton and Hendrix. It just a, an amazing songwriter, and just the things he could do with a guitar make other guitar players go, "That's not possible." The man's an alien. The drumming to me, I, I'm not a drummer, I don't know, but the drumming to me sounded exemplary as well. And Roger Taylor's a superb drummer, and and I mean, for all De- I know, John John Deacon is a good is a great bassist. He I don't is. Know. He was a terrific bass player. I mean, the problem is no one, no, most people don't notice that. <laughs> I always remember the, well, kid, the kids in the hall sketch where the guys doing beat poetry about nobody wants to go out with the bass player. You know why? Because they're always looking at their shoes. Yeah, they do tend to look down a lot. Even in Spinal Tap, Nigel yep. Tufnell is always watching his shoes. <laughs> it's just a bass player thing. I don't know why. Huh. Um, and that that is one of the problems, I will say, with the film, is it centers almost entirely on Freddie Mercury, who is a very interesting person, quite the character. But, and they actually mention this at one point in the film, it's like, no, no, no. From now on, this is all by Queen. None of it's by anyone of us singularly. Well, that's not how the movie is, because the movie is like mm. it's about Freddie Mercury and the rest. <laughs> so, and I'm sure that some of the songs that we love most from Queen were not written by Freddie Mercury. They're probably started by other people, and they probably all came together and made something. But of course, we don't see that. We basically see, hmm, these three notes equal. We are the champions. Yay! <laughs> We're famous now because actually we don't even see them struggle. They start off as this band playing in a pub called Smile. Freddie Mercury shows up and says, hey, you know what you need? Me. And the next thing you know, they're playing more pubs. They sell their van, make an album, and they're famous. They literally, it's like, there is one point where they go to record an album at a farm. And it's literally like those old scenes from those old Hollywood movies. It's like, hey, your uncle has a farm. Maybe if we sell the cows and chickens, we could put on a show. I mean, even the way they're discovered is they're recording this album with the money that they got from selling their van and just yeah and you know basically uh, a record producer walked hey these guys are great it, it was too much like that uh saturday night live sketch oh look behind this plant here's a million dollars i don't know maybe that actually happened maybe the guy was walking by and heard it or, or maybe you... it was Orson Welles with his standard rich and famous contract. <laughs> Could have been. <laughs> but I, I'd be really surprised if that was that simple. And, you know, they now they were selling out pubs. They were doing really well as a pub band. I'm and, sure they were. Yes. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> this this was the 70s. There were a lot of those. And it was that was the other interesting thing is that I also came home and listened to a bunch of early Queen because I got to admit, I knew their big hits and that's it. Mm-hmm. And so I pulled up their first album, which was called Queen. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, this is very prog rock in the way that like, yes, was very prog rock. Huh. And I could see a lot of connections. And I was very surprised because I didn't expect that. And then, of course, the later they were like, yeah, we're not doing that anymore. We're now doing this opera thing, um, which they do. Mm-hmm. And the thing Although gets, they, they kind of missed an album in there. There was a yeah, whole Queen well. 2, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, 
And, and they, yeah, yeah. The, the timing and when things happened. They also were throwing things in. It's like there was no fact checking in this film at all. Like mean? at one point they show, well, <laughs> they play songs like Super Freak, which didn't come oh, out until right. after the movie was over. That's right. And you also, uh, what is it? They play can't, You Can't Touch This, which didn't come out for 10 years after the movie. Yeah. yeah. It was just like, um, okay. I mean. And again, it didn't ruin the magic for me, but it does... Something like that does take you out of it. It's like, wait, wait a second. That song was like, what, 1990? Yeah. So like, mm. but also too, you know, as I said, this is all focusing on Freddie Mercury. Mm. And even besides that, the film basically says, well, after Live Aid, they're done. (laughs) And it's like, we just ignore, to me, now this is, I know a lot of people like this film. I don't, but it reminded me a lot of The Aviator. And I know that Martin Scorsese wanted to focus on a certain time period of Howard Hughes' life, but he focuses on this part of Howard Hughes' life and then says, okay, now he goes crazy. And then the rest of his life, the end, which was like another 50 years. (laughs) And quite honestly, I have to say, probably a lot more interesting than what he did with airplanes. It's like, okay, yeah, he was he was a, a front runner and he was very forward thinking. But quite honestly, um, the fingernails and the pee jars are a lot more interesting <laughs> than than you know the spruce goose. You know, uh, I don't know. It was just weird. as like, yeah, we're gonna ignore this part. And so this film, you know, spoiler. We did say spoilers at the beginning of the show. I, yep. I always include that in the theme. Mm-hmm. Um, they basically decide that after Live Aid, nothing happened. Yeah, that um, pretty much is and, sort of the end of the movie. And they were that was apparently a conscious decision. They wanted to focus on the point up to there and then just stop. But it was like Freddie Mercury saying goodbye. And it's like, no, he's still got six years and four albums to go. Mm. Now, one of the interesting things when I was doing some more research and looking this up is they were talking about how Freddie Mercury was denying the press any news about this. He didn't even talk about his sexuality. Like, that was just like, I'm not doing it. And when he caught, or I should say when he was diagnosed with AIDS in 1987, the only people he told was the band. That part they got right, although just not even close to the right time. And they just kept it a secret as long as they could. And the last video he shot... Um, which is, oh, I had it up and I forgot it. Um, mm. Off the last album, Innuendo, they were talking about the fact that it was shot in black and white on purpose because Freddie, for a long time, had been looking very gaunt and uh. just looking not healthy. And for that particular uh, video, he was wearing a lot of heavy makeup to disguise the fact that he was looking so bad. Mm. And that's why they shot it in black and white. Well, it turns out there was some color footage shot at the time that showed what he looked like in the makeup. And it was like, okay, wow. Oh, wow. It's, it's been on, put on with a trowel. Mm. You can tell there's some stuff going on there. He's obviously lost a lot of weight. Um, but when you see even the behind the scene footages, he's giving it his all. And apparently his whole mantra was, I'm not going until they drag me off and throw me <laughs> in the box. Yeah. And he died. Oh, it was less than a year before the album came out. Mm. Apparently his health hit. Uh, they were. It was supposed to come out in February and they had to delay it because his health was so bad. Mm. But of 91, which is when he, he passed away. But apparently he was just like, I'm making music till I die. Now, to me, while maybe it's not as dramatic and maybe it's a little bit of a downer, that to me is a lot more interesting than, and Live Aid, cut, we're done. (laughs) Well, I Um, think they didn't want as much of a downer to see, you know, his deterioration. Well, you know, again, the, the timing was so weird because the way they had the songs and certain things happen in the film were just chronologically whatever they felt like it. 
Like, yeah. they just made That's, stuff up. Some of it is for storytelling, and some of it they just, I don't know, didn't care. Or, but a but lot again, of it is for the narrative ability, and again, that makes it, it's unfortunate because it does make everything really convenient and neat, which is not the way life is. Nor was it that interesting. Mm. Because, let's face it, there's really, there's nothing that bad in the film. They talk about, oh, you know, Freddy is a big drug addict, and Freddy parties all the time. We see one party. And we see the aftermath of one other party. And it's like, oh, people need to tidy up. And luckily, one of the guys tidying up ends up being his boyfriend. Well, yeah, um, but then you also see the results of the parties when he's off in Germany with, uh, you know, Jerkwad, his boyfriend. Paul, yeah. Mm. Yeah, but it's like, you don't really see that much. It's like, quite honestly, there's really nothing. For a rock and roll guy, it's not that bad. You know, it's we don't even get to the point where it's like, I think I have a problem. Mm. It's just sort of like, well, the house is messy and we had all these people over that I don't even know. And that's not too good. They do sanitize uh, a lot of it. I mean, there's, yeah. there's a lot of we see him do some pills. We see the you know, there's some white powder on a table. They were they were fighting hard to keep a PG-13 rating. Which, and you know, never, like and, a rockumentary. Do you really want to shoot for PG-13? Yeah, seriously. Yeah. And, you know, let we can't really ignore the other part of the elephant in the room. His sexuality is so downplayed. It's so sanitized. We see him in a couple of gay clubs, but mostly, and with a couple of men, but I think there's a kiss here and there and a lot yep. of lingering glances. And that's about yes. it. Yes. Um, and to be fair, I was going and I heard that they were focusing a lot on his relationship with his wife or his fiance mm -hmm. i swear it is that he did actually get married but whatever mm. um and i thought oh they're gonna try and wipe you know uh, wipe this away or they're gonna try and brush it under the carpet or whatever and it's like no they deal with the marriage part and then after there's no more women it's it's all guys yeah. um i will say this is a, an experience i had in the theater which was a little distressing there was a young couple sitting next to me i'm gonna guess late high school early college something like that i didn't look i don't really care uh, the woman was sitting next to me and her boyfriend was on the other side. The first time Freddie Mercury actually kisses a guy, this boyfriend lets out the F-bomb. Oh, and it's loud God, enough that really? you can hear it. And thankfully, his girlfriend says, shh, knock it off, <laughs> which was cool. Good but I'm just for sitting you, there thinking, I was sitting there thinking, why are you here? It's a movie about a band called Queen whose front man is Freddie Mercury. Yeah, what did you think what was you going to happen? man? Um... And there's later on, I think there's literally one other kiss or one other touching scene. And it's not even like a, a groping scene. Uh, oh, actually, he does touch the guy's butt. Although you don't, it's not, it's kind of in the shadows. Like you yeah, kind of see it. It's hard to tell. Uh, and, he, and he mumbles something else. And she, she'd smacked him again and just like, knock it off. Just shut up. Which is good for her. Yeah. But it's just like, oh boy. I mean, it's not, we're not talking American gods here. You don't see anything. Mm. Right. And um, for those who haven't seen, there is a gay sex scene in American gods that... Wow. Okay, they're not kidding. Yeah, it's it's very graphic. It's that, also very cool. well done. I mean, it's yeah. it's no more graphic than a lot of the hetero scenes they do. No, but, but I mean, it's Freddie Mercury. Yeah. <laughs> what were you who were you expecting? I mean, for God's sake, uh, he was one of the only openly gay rockers. Uh, well, he wasn't though. Well, yeah, but it was one of those everybody knew. It's, it wasn't like David Bowie where. They're like, ooh, maybe he is, maybe he isn't, maybe he is. Well, you know, and he got married to, uh, to Iman and was married to her for a very long time. Mm -hmm. uh, and they had children with her. And, and, and then she I did think... then she did Star Trek V and it was all over. 
Yeah, well, <laughs> um, no, but apparently they were quite. Ha- I I fully willing to believe that David Bowie was bisexual, mm. and he just in the end the person he chose to be with happened to be a woman, and that's fine. I don't care one way or the other. But if you saw a biopic of David Bowie and they just like don't have any male relationships in there, it's like, well, <laughs> yeah, come, yeah, come on, I you know whatever. Yeah, but the fact that you're here and 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 seeing Freddie Mercury and you're expecting it to be heterosexual I okay I mean to be fair the amount of things they bent in that film it wouldn't have surprised me I would have been mad yeah. but they I wouldn't have surprised me um, I just I didn't need you know we didn't need say graphic sex scenes no but I don't know it was so much of the rest of the stuff is fairly blunt and uh, straightforward and this was so stylized and wink wink it was just yeah. way too, it was too focus grouped. That was a part of the film I thought, oh, okay, this is Hollywood exec going, we can't be too explicit or there'll be theaters that won't show this. We can't really, we can't have a lot of make-out scenes. We can't have a lot of scenes that are that make it you know, that clear. No, however, there, was, there, was, there were two scenes I want to remark on, one of which had to do with this and one which didn't. One of which was the nice scene between him and Jim Hutton, uh-huh. where they're really just talking. Mm-hmm. And Jim Hutton is basically, he was, he was a, a waiter and he's cleaning up after one of the parties. And he's just not taken in at all. He's just like, I'm not this whole thing, whatever. Yeah. And Freddie is trying to come on to him. And he's like, I'm not interested. In fact, if you touch me again, I'm leaving. And you get the impression this guy, Jim Hutton, is straight and you're not supposed to do this. And Freddie gets all upset. He's like, wow, I'm really sorry. I didn't mean to to bother you. It's just, you know, I, I just like the uh, a I like nice a man. man. In, I like a man in uniform. uniform. And finally, Jim, seeing that Freddie has is, is yeah. actually got some vulnerability and is you know, understands that he shouldn't just do that, says, so do I. That's a great line. And it's, it, they, the conversations with them are very nice and mm. not typical stuff you see for, for homosexuals in films. Usually it's all something cute or it's, you know, it's, it's, uh, drag stuff or it's, you know, yeah, bitchy, quips. bitchy queen uh, stuff. Yeah. yeah. And this was, that was nice. The other it's... scene though, and this was not gay particularly. And, I have to say, I don't know if anybody actually said this when they were filming it, but I saw it in the Live Age footage was there was scenes where Freddie is there and um, let's say that the microphone stand is having a really good time. Ah, yes. It's in the footage. <laughs> yeah, and I don't yeah. know if there was somebody going, whatever you do, no, no, up, up, above <laughs> the waist, above the waist. But it was that whole oh, um, yeah. Elvis Presley on, on um, uh, what's his name? Ed on, Sullivan. Uh, Ed Sullivan all over again. <laughs> Yeah, well, it didn't help that he was wearing pants that were so tight you could tell what religion he was. Yeah. <laughs> I also have to, to say, too, that um, Max and I have both both remember the 70s. Mm. Uh, we don't enjoy it, but we remember it. Yeah, we lived through it. And I want to it. say, um, there, there was a lot of, of the color rose back then. Mm. Um, and there were people that, let's, let's face it, Elton John did not come out for a long time. Mm. Looking back, you may say, well, why did he have to? Um, and that's a very good question. But there were people who just did not want to think that the guy who did Benny and the Jets and their favorite songs could possibly be anything but straight. Yeah. Now, somebody who makes Liberace's chandelier look dull, <laughs> I, I don't know why you're having to guess about this, but there you go. I mean, for um, God's sake, he named they named the band Queen, man. They're just Although he he was the only gay person in it. Which yeah, is yeah. Something else they they barely touch on. There everyone else is like, well, you're married and have kids. And it's like, oh, they are? They do? Where are they? Mm. Okay. 
Um, we'll just pretend they're there. Um, but yeah, the, all through the seventies, you know, Queen, you know, we are the champions has shown up at how many football games? Oh yeah. Do any of those people want to think about the fact that it's being sung by a gay man? No, they we, don't. We will rock you, which is like a, a stable of pair of uh, stadium rock. Sure. Yeah. It's like, uh, oh no, he was Butch. Like, <laughs> Elton John and, and David Bowie, who was doing stuff with gender identity back mm. in the early seventies. Uh, people, it's amazing what they can say. Yeah. No, no, that didn't happen. La, 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 la. I that was the it. thing. I, that was the one sort of musical part. I was really sorry they just skipped over. Yeah. I would have loved to see something about them working with David Bowie, you know, doing Under Pressure. Which is a great song. Which is such a great song. Even Vanilla Ice couldn't ruin it. <laughs> <laughs> and, ice, ice, baby. I mean, admittedly, he only samples like five seconds of it, but. Oh, no, no, no. He didn't sample it. Because theirs oh. goes. Mine goes. Seriously, he was actually in a press conference and thank, said that. Thank thank you, Mr. Van Winkle. We know. <laughs> so go, back to, go back to singing about Ninja Turtles. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I, I mean, and maybe it's because it was really like. Hello, David. Yes. Hello, David. I'm Freddie. Hi, Freddie. I'm David. You want to do this song? Yes. Okay. Bye. Well, that's how, Maybe that's that's how, how it would have been. That's probably been it. it. It was probably very not very interesting, but oh, wouldn't that have been fun just to see the two of them in the same studio, which I assume they were. Yeah, and it's like, I, the way you said it just now is how it would have been yeah. in the film. Like, it would have been something like David Bowie watching Queen on MTV and him saying... I should do a song with those blokes and picking up the phone and go, hello. <laughs> it, that, I'm sure that's how it would have appeared, which is a shame, but you know, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, one of the other thing, little tiny little uh, factual things that they, they glossed over is that when uh, queen left the stage after we are the champions, they actually did come back. Oh, uh, about did, three hours later. Encore? Well, no, about three hours later, they oh. came back on stage and did a song called This is the World We Created, oh. um, which is one of their songs. I can't remember which album it's off, but because um, I was watching that footage and they got to We Are the Champions and they left and there was still like four minutes left. I was like, oh, what's going to happen now? And they showed later. It was like something like um, 948 or something that night. They came back and huh. somebody had just edited the footage. So, yeah, you know, um, the, the whole film was just was very very convenient it plays a fast um, and loose with the with the facts purely in the sake of narrative and i think it suffers for that yeah i will say you know we've been we've been kind of ragging on this film the performances i would say to a person were either very good or excellent yeah i would agree with Ra that the, rami the, malik was ridiculously good rami malik was frightening i'm sorry there were it was one of those performances where after a while you for, i forgot it was him yep um I you know the people playing the band members were I don't know enough about the band members to say hey they felt just like them but I they felt genuine mm, they felt um, real I, uh, you know when I thought about Mike Myers being in the film the more I thought about it the less I liked that they did it but his part in the film is fine he does a perfectly good job the only time I've seen him do anything else that's even vaguely dramatic is he played uh, Steve Rubell oh yeah the movie 54, 54 mm. which he did also a frighteningly good job of huh. it you would never think that's not what I expect Mike Myers to do my um, my main problem with that character never mind that he didn't exist is the character is in there to set up one joke 
Yeah. That's really the only thing he's there for, apart from being, hey, I am I am the evil head of EMI Records. Hey, I'm only interested in money. And Except that he, you can tell he isn't. I did like when he listens to Bohemian Rhapsody. You can tell he's like, this is amazing. I mean, yeah. we, it's commercially useless to me, I'm sure, but it's amazing. You see, he knows that. He's somewhere in there is the guy who loves music. But the whole thing is a setup for, as he's criticizing the song, and he's saying, kids want songs they can listen to as they drive around in their car banging their heads, which is a direct, <laughs> you know, that's what happens in Wayne's world. Right. Yeah. Which, by the way, created a huge resurgence in the popularity of that song. That's what I find really interesting. So I went to see it last night, and there was actually, as I said, on the my right side, there was a younger couple. And on my left side was an older couple. And I thought, well, those people remember Queen. Like, they're my age or older, and they uh -huh. remember Queen. And the people to the right of me, and probably all the younger people in the film, were going to see this as nostalgia, but they weren't going to see it as nostalgia for Queen. They were going to see it as nostalgia for Wayne's World. Oh, dear. Yeah, oh, well, that's, you know, fine, but it's just like... You're missing, oh, I don't know, most of it. Because <laughs> there's all these albums of stuff that you guys probably don't know. You probably know three songs and that's it. Yeah, most um, people one of the things I, I only know, I mean, really, when I get down to it, I have to admit, I know the greatest hits stuff. Yep, me too. And, and I enjoy it all. And I started listening to some of it last night and it was, especially Innuendo, there was stuff on there that I thought was really quite good, which actually for them was a number one record, their last record wow. together, not in the States, but in Europe and uh. other places. Um, they had dropped off on, on, uh, on the American charts ever, ever since, um, I don't know, sometime in the eighties. I don't uh. remember which album. One of the things that they didn't mention that whole thing with, with, um, Bohemian Rhapsody, one of the reasons that it would make a lousy signal single. And I know this because I had it on single is, um, Single's not long enough. Yeah. You had you had to flip the record halfway through the song. So <laughs> oh, it was, it was like gonna be on a forty-five. Okay. Yeah. So uh. I had the song, and if I did, I didn't have the album. This was before CDs came out. So I had to listen to Bohemian Rhapsody, and about literally halfway through, the song <laughs> kind of fades out. You pick the record up, you turn it over, you put the needle back down, and then listen to the rest of it. It's like. I can see it for the radio, but like to sell as a single, it won't fit. Yeah. And they, That's they weren't interesting. They weren't point. doing, yeah, they didn't they weren't doing disco singles yet. Those big twelve-inch singles. Mm. So it's like, um, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> huh. So all right. Um, anything else you wanted to discuss before we get to whether we actually liked it? Because people think they know what we're going to say, but I bet they're wrong. Yeah. I I did like how they pointed out. Who was it? I think uh, the lawyer Jim Beach points out that uh, MacArthur Park was seven yep. minutes long. I'm thinking, really? You want to compare this to MacArthur <laughs> Park? You want to compare I... this to someone left the cake out in the rain? <laughs> really? I always You're not think... helping. I always used to think that MacArthur's Park was when the DJ needed to use the bathroom. <laughs> so it's like, and this is all, MacArthur's Park, he says, is, is seven minutes or whatever. I thought mm. it was longer than that. It feels but longer than that. It it really feels like, oh, you know, if I can, I can have time for a sandwich and maybe a quick tinkle. And if I'm on <laughs> MacArthur's Park, um, yeah. But as Max said, you know, somebody did leave the cake out yeah, of the rain. Indeed. And took so long to bake it. It and did. I don't never know if have I that can... recipe again. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Anything else? Nope, nope. I, th I think we've covered a lot of it. The Roundup. It's now mm. the ending. Yeah. Max. Yeah. Did you like the film? Yeah, I did. 
I don't think it's a great film. I think it's a good one. I think it's a. Uh, I think the performances are fantastic, and I am sorry. Anything that gets you to sit and listen to Queen music is immediately eh, that that's one in the win column, and yeah. there's a lot of the, their best music in in it. The performances are good. As a story, it, it we have seen this so many times. It's very safe. It's very formulaic. And I think it suffers for that. I think it could have been a great movie. I don't think it is. I think it's a good movie. What about you? I'm going to agree. Um, I would say as a piece of entertainment, it's fine. You'll enjoy scenes. You'll laugh. You'll cry. You'll kiss 12 bucks goodbye. <laughs> um, the Queen music is great. Um Pretending to watch them come up with songs is fun, although yeah. I really think you need to go in knowing, as a viewer, this is not real. Yeah. This is, you know, we can't pretend that we're learning anything about the band this way. No. Um, there's, like Max was saying earlier, the creative process is probably so much more interesting and can be made so much more interesting than it is shown here. Hey, uh, I have something for our listeners on that. Folks, if... A refund? <laughs> I don't think we could afford that. Um, I don't think we'd afford if even fi- even our, even if just our listeners wanted refunds, we couldn't <laughs> afford that. But uh, if folks think, can think of movies that show the creative process really well, something like Mike said, Pollock, that's a good example. Are there others? Are there ones uh, that show, especially the music, because that's really, I think that's really hard to convey. I'd be really yep. interested to know. Are there other ones? I off the top of my head, I'm not. I'm coming up blank. But oddly enough. Shakespeare in Love, I thought, isn't bad because that gave you a sort of idea of what happens in the playwriting experience. Well, I mean, that was a big guess, too, right? Oh, yeah. That, oh, God. That, come on. Everything <laughs> about him is a guess. But it was a, right. it's a fictionalized thing. It wasn't bad. But I'm curious if anyone if anyone has any others, email them, put them in the comments, what have you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, we might even work it into a, uh, a future mm. series. Who knows? Because yeah. we always need ideas for that. Yeah. So, sorry. I, hij- I hijacked no. uh, what you were saying about... Uh, so, so you, that's great. Yeah. So you I, you liked it. You thought it was good, but not great. It was entertaining. You yeah. know, it was. It's like don't don't believe it. Don't mm. go in believing it, but go in and have a good time. Mm-hmm. Uh, enjoy the performances. I honestly hope that this film does help the careers of some of the actors. Not that I think they're hurting, but it's like, hey, these guys did great. You should have them do more things. Yeah. Um, a lot of times Max and I point out when films have been, shall we say, whitewashed, <laughs> um, do yourself a favor too. Even if you decide not to see the film, go onto YouTube and look up the fo- footage from Live Aid. I got to tell you, that is the biggest concentration of white people I have ever <laughs> seen. Because I thought about that. It's like I was looking at the crowd, which admittedly felt a little Skyrim to me. But in the in the film, yeah, I was like, yeah. wow, uh, apparently Whitey McWhiterson's having a family reunion. Um, when I watched the Live Aid footage, it's like, oh, wow, that's a lot of pale. <laughs> They're very um, pale. Well, you got to yeah. remember where was the shot? Where was it happening? It was in England. I know, but they invented black. They invented and... white people. <laughs> there's also plenty of Asian people, yeah. uh, but and of course we we do have his family, you know. But um, that be, go and be entertained. Just just don't believe it, okay? At all, because I there was so much that I could pick out before I even did my research that was just not right. Yeah. That. I don't. I just decided not to believe any of it. Yeah, that being said, mm-hmm. the performances are worth seeing. Yeah. The music is worth seeing. 
Um, if you want to leave 20 minutes early and go home and watch the real footage, go right ahead. Cause it's, they, they did as exactly as they could. Yeah. But it, they, but at least this, you get better close ups and the sound quality nope, is terrific. Nope. Really? No. Yeah. Oh. Like the scenes where he's like playing into the camera on stage. Oh. That's real. Huh. Go watch the footage. It's really good I'll footage. Out. But I mean, I don't, how many days was live aid? Uh, three. I, I don't thought. know. I don't. I don't know. Maybe two. Because I don't think you could actually watch the whole thing. But there's probably tons of great stuff there. Um. So yeah, go be entertained. Yeah. It basically see it as a movie. Do not go into it thinking, ah, I will learn about the truth about Queen and Freddie Mercury. Yeah. Enjoy the performances. Enjoy the music. Um. But that's you know that's it. And don't. I, I hope that we're not going to expect to see this at Oscar time because it's really not the caliber. I would I would be fine if he if Rami Malek gets a best best actor nod. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Well, I, I I I'm willing to bet that he won't be the one who wins, but I have no idea what else is coming uh, out. Yeah. Who knows? Uh, oh, by the way, I just checked. Live Aid was 16 hours long. Oh, that's not that bad. Yeah. So it's basically over. <laughs> looking at all those people going, um, how many bathrooms are there? <laughs> oh God. Yeah. And of course, the answer in one way is. One. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> as you're just looking yeah. at this, going, no one's leaving. No. Nobody is leaving. Well, what? You who would? It's like, oh my god, if I leave, God knows what I'll miss. Well, if Tiny Tim comes out, you know, I could. <laughs> oh, yeah. Then suddenly that. the bathrooms explode as everyone runs to them at the same time. Yeah. You don't want to hear tiptoe a, through the tulips. Maybe there was just a, a trough and it led to the Thames. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Um, so continuing next week yeah. in the series, Max, what are we, uh, what are we going to be taking on next week? Another Oscar nod film? Oh dear God, I hope not. No, <laughs> we are going to take on, this is sort of the opposite. This was a movie I was hoping was going to be good and it wasn't as good as I'd hoped. The movie we're going to see next week is one I expect to be a galactic mass worth of suck. <laughs> And that's, a, that's an event horizon. Yeah, yeah, is. pretty much. This is I, this. I think will be a, on the singularity scale of suck. Oh dear! Be, this is a movie that not only I'm not looking forward to, but I don't think should have been made. And it is yet another attempt to do how the Grinch stole Christmas. Well, thank God they're rebooting that because we could Ugh. use a whole Grinch verse if you oh, ask yeah, me. Oh yeah, yeah, that's it. We need we need a Seuss verse, I guess. <laughs> And I want tie-ins and toys, and I want food shaped like it and everything. Uh, oh, oh, ooh, Max, I forgot to mention. What? Uh, I'm sick next week. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. Can't, can't make it. You're Sorry. Go- <laughs> if I'm going, you're going. Look, the only positive to this thing is that the Grinch is voiced by Benedict Cumberbatch, which could, which if they give him ooh. anything funny to say, like the oh, word penguin. Oh, like if he says penguin, look it up. By the way, he can't say the word penguin. Um, Apparently, yeah. Yeah. Um, no, this yeah. one. So, I'm hoping to be surprised. I don't think I will be. No, no. So that being said, uh, thank you for joining us for Bohemian Rhapsody. Yep. Thank you very uh, much. And, and enjoy us next week <laughs> as we take on the stellar. <laughs> How the Grinch stole Christmas. And, well, and, the, this is the third time now because we had didn't we have yeah. a Jim Carrey in there somewhere? No. Oh, that it was Mike didn't Myers. Happen. No, it was Jim Carrey. Oh, that was that was Cat in the Hat. That's right. No, that's right. yeah, Mike Myers, Cat in the Hat. Jim Carrey was in fact the Grinch. Yeah. I, so you know, ask and just ask yourself the musical question: Do fat-bottomed girls make the world go round? <laughs> I, With I, that, I am still Mike Luce, and that remains Max Levine. Thanks Bye. for joining us. Bye. 
This has been a co-production of The Voice of Max and The Movie Wrench. Thank you.